0: Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post production for the wedding and portrait photographer visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, I am here with my friend Anna Lee from Anna Lee Media. Anna, thanks so much for making time to sit down amidst your extremely busy schedule and, and have this interview with us.
1: Hi, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's no problem. I wanted to make sure that we could squeeze it in while I'm home briefly for a little while.
0: Well, and that is your life. You are very much on the road, on the go, and it's a pretty exciting life. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw this yeah. out there. I normally do at the end, but uh, Anna Lee Media is your Instagram account, and I can't yes. recommend that our listeners go there enough. Oh, um, thank no, you. Well, if nothing else, they can at least live vicariously through you. We're going to be talking <laughs> about um, how to, or what, what it looks like to become a tour photographer, a, a touring band photographer. Um, today, mm-hmm. which is a brand new topic for the Boca Podcast, I'm excited to dive into it. But I have to tell you, um, I pulled up your profile yesterday and was showing. I have a 15 year old son who is just he he couldn't be more into music, and not just one specific genre of music, but like practically all of them. Everything from rap to classical to to rock to you know various indie indie genres. And oh, that's amazing. So I was showing him your your profile and some of the bands that you photographed. and he was just like, "Oh man, dude, this is that's so cool. <laughs> I <It> was <laughs> all excited about it. So he's going to be listening into this podcast um, with with Fervor. Um, he was Aww. really excited about the fact that we were going to have a conversation. But um, I, I, again, thank you so much for making time to sit down just for a bit. And before we can, I, I want our listeners to get to know who you are just personally a little bit uh, mm-hmm. before we do that, though, I, I like to start off our podcast episodes with a value add for those listeners who maybe for whatever reason, they only get to listen in for five minutes and then they have to go. Um, what is one technique or approach that you've learned that's made the biggest difference in capturing more intimate photographs of bands on the road? Because it's one thing to go to a concert, and that's that's really I, I a mean, technique mm-hmm. or series of techniques in of themselves. But how do you go about capturing an intimate photograph of a band or a band member on the road?
1: Right. Um, well, to be honest, I wish there was one specific tip for that but I will say um, overall there's just no substitute for the time that you spend with those people um because it's really not intimate at first there's like a few days of kind of like warming up to each other um and uh ultimately like once you kind of first deliver the first set of images and you kind of gain their trust by delivering a good product and they're able to see the result of whatever like weird thing you were doing in the corner while it looked like (laughs) you were spying on them with a camera they're like oh okay i get it like this is a cool picture keep doing that so it's yeah it's there's more to unpack as far as that goes but that's really the short answer is it's it's just like making friends with a new set of people and you just have to gain their trust and be someone that's easy to get along with which is why being on the tour with them is so essential to getting those intimate moments versus just being somebody taking pictures from the photo pit at a random concert.
0: Absolutely. Well, and, and when you were talking about that relationship, taking time to develop the relationship, it, that's, it made me think of, you know, whether it's friendships or, or family, uh, you actually use the word family, I think on your website talking about mm-hmm. the the level of intimacy that you develop with these bands mm-hmm. because you're spending so much time with them um, living in really tight spaces at times. Yes. And so that time spending, uh, the, the time that you spend with the band enables you to get to know them a little bit better. They develop a trust mm-hmm. factor. That trust factor is so huge when we're talking about intimate photographs, whether it's wedding photography or band photography or otherwise. Uh, so that absolutely makes sense. It is an investment. And, um, it, mm-hmm. and it's, I think it's an interesting point to note too, you know, I mean, as, as much as I like to start off our conversations uh, at the Boca podcast with a quick tip. It's not always about the quick tips. Sometimes it does take an investment of time of of mm-hmm. various resources in order to create something really beautiful. And you can certainly see that in your work. So that's a that's a great piece of advice uh, to get us <laughs> started off with. And I, I really can't thank you enough for that. Do tell yeah. us about yourself a little bit about where you're from, where you're based now, and um, and do you have any pets? That's that's a always a, a big question too.
1: Ooh, yes. Okay. Well, I am from Oklahoma city. Uh, I lived there most of my life. Um, and I currently live in Los Angeles, uh, specifically in Hollywood. I am right in the middle of it. Like I, I can walk to Hollywood Boulevard from here, which has pros and cons. I'm sure. Um, so, uh, I, I loved living in Oklahoma city. I love visiting as much as possible. um, and there was just a point where I realized that I would need to make this move in order to go anywhere further with the music photography that I was doing. Uh, there's kind of like a plateau that you reach, I think, when working out of the Midwest with this type of industry. Obviously, it doesn't apply to everywhere like Nashville. I'm sure you're aware is uh, somewhere in the Midwest that you can you can further a music sure. career. Um, so I currently live in... In LA, and working out of here when I'm actually uh, when I'm actually home, and I do not have my own pet, but my roommate has the most adorable dog named Jax.
0: What kind of dog is Jax?
1: Um, he. We, we think he's like a Pomeranian-Yorkie mix, so he looks like a little Ewok teddy bear. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. There's a, there is photos of him on my Instagram if people are interested in getting a visual, okay. uh, which I highly recommend.
0: This picture just came to mind of the old um, Gremlins movie, those little <laughs> teddy bear-like animals from the Gremlins movie. Uh-huh. But no, that's really funny. And I guess yeah. it would be really tough to have a pet as much as you travel. That's nice that you get to borrow somebody else's occasionally. I have yeah. to ask, too, as much as you're on the road do you have a favorite food?
1: Um, I do. And it's something that I discovered after moving to LA. Are you familiar with poke bowls?
0: I've heard a, a little bit. Yes. I think I maybe at least had at least one at some point in time, but tell, tell us oh, more yes. about it.
1: Um, so the, they're more common on the West coast. So I originally described them as like sushi in a bowl because it's a lot of ingredients that you get in sushi, but it's all in the bowl. It's actually a Hawaiian dish as far as I know. Um, so that's why it's popular over here, but I try to seek them out everywhere I go. But if nothing else, I'll just try to find like a salad to be honest. It's really hard to have any kind of control over your routine on tour. So eating healthy is a, is a challenge. So
0: I can imagine
1: just, yeah, just trying to keep up with eating, not Fast food all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you even mentioned something about throwing a smoothie together on, on your website. Um,
1: yes, yeah. That- so sometimes I'll travel with like a I have a Nutribullet. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll just it. It actually became difficult to track down the produce to use in it. Um, so that's. I occasionally use that. It it depends on the level of the tour as well. Sometimes you have access to um, more options. Um, But if you're just like kind of roughing it in a van, it's just whatever gas station you pull up to in the middle of the night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Now, you, you spoke about sushi. You were just in Japan for how long?
1: Yes, uh, I was just there for about a week. So that was the most recent um tour that I did. I guess using the word tour loosely there. We went over for um their annual Summer Sonic music festival. Okay. And so it's it's two shows, one in Osaka and one in Tokyo. So we just went over there for the purpose of of doing that show. So it was a really really quick short amount of time to adjust to a new time zone and then come back and readjust. But I think I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the mend from
0: it. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that is pretty intense. I mean, you're talking what 12, 13 hour plane rides to get over mm-hmm. there and then to adjust to the time, get in, get into, a, well, like you said, probably not much of a routine, but just doing yeah. life day to day. And then the, of course the adjustment to the food as well. But I, we had communicated a little bit, uh, I think via Facebook and, and I was kind of living vicariously through, through you over there and, and wishing I was there getting to have sushi as well. And you said the mm-hmm. best sushi you had was in an airport.
1: Yeah. Well, to be honest, I, um, on tour, I'm, at the mercy of the band's schedule, so sure. it didn't get to like branch off and explore a whole lot. But um, we spent half of our time in airports because uh, you know for obvious reasons. And when we were traveling between Osaka and Tokyo, um, I had some sashimi from the the Osaka airport, and it w- blew my mind. It was great. Really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Best airport food I've ever
0: had. <laughs> Well, I can imagine that you have a variety. So you're, you're definitely yes. the expert being able to speak. to. Yes, I'm good. an
1: airport food connoisseur.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Well, let's go back to, to photography a little bit. Yeah. Um, we talked about the fact that you are photographing bands on tour. Uh, you're also a wedding photographer. And if you guys go mm-hmm. to annaleemedia.com, you can see examples of, of Anna's work. But how did you get into photography in the first place? What, what started that journey?
1: I I guess it was kind of um, spread over a long amount of time that kind of just slowly built into what it is today. But I think I took a yeah I took a photography class in high school and um, thought I was kind of interested in it at that point and just had um, a very sweet teacher that took the time to tell me that they saw something good there. Um, So I think that in my mind made it worth pursuing. Um, So. I took a few further classes when I started college, which is when I picked up my first, um, SLR, which is actually a film camera. Um, digital cameras weren't quite there yet. And, um, so I, out of necessity for that class is when I picked up that first camera and kind of just decided as I, as I went more and more that that was something that I was really drawn to. Um, my degree ended up actually being in graphic design, which I did for a few years out of college, but minored in photography and always did it as a hobby and kind of for friends on the side. It's a, it's a pretty classic story of like hobby turning into business just as it gained traction. Um, and so when went into weddings originally um being in Oklahoma that just kind of was accessible for me and it made made sense and it was something that I did and still do really enjoy.
0: So is it difficult then as a brand um one of the things we talk about a good bit on the book of podcast is the idea of positioning yourself in the marketplace so that it's well first of all easy to market yourself but then those who hear about you your brand they can easily distinguish between you and those around you. Uh, when you're doing two totally separate genres of, of photography, is it difficult to position yourself really clearly? How do you go about that?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I've always gone back and forth on whether or not to just completely separate those things. Um, so at least to this point, um, I have discovered a benefit in the two overlapping a bit, Um, one in that I end up shooting a lot of weddings for people in the music industry, because they got to know me via my music work. And then um, I'm just kind of the person that they went to, by default for any wedding needs. And then um, people that are just in the market for a wedding photographer. um, So just any, any given client, maybe drawn to the fact that my work is a little on the edgy side, I guess, is a way to put it. Um, It just brings in elements of my experience with um, shooting bands and shooting in different environments that are what you would get if you're like in a portrait or wedding scenario. You kind of have to like work, work through some different um, locations that you may not get the opportunity to choose yourself
0: Absolutely. And I think for that reason, and I'll add band photographers to the list now, but wedding Mm -hmm. photographers as well tend to be good wedding photographers, tend to be some of the more talented photographers around, I think, because you are Mm -hmm. forced into those situations where you can't control the lighting. You know, you may have a mix of of window light and this really ugly uh, ambient uh, or uh, ugly uh, incandescent light, and then maybe mixed Mm -hmm. in with a bit of fluorescent light as well. I I can remember (laughs) some of the the situations that that I was in photographing weddings, particularly indoors and churches in Tennessee, it gets really hot. So a lot of the weddings happen indoors and some of those environments are just not conducive to what you would normally think of as beautiful photography. It wasn't, you know, on the coast of of California. Yeah, And um, so you're forced to create something um, good out of that. And I think that really, it challenges you as a photographer and, and it forces you to push yourself and get better and learn how to use light, different types of light more effectively. Uh, so that's really interesting it looks like you're in a really similar position as as a uh, would you categorize it as band photography or tour photographer how do you normally refer to it as
1: well um on a broad scale i refer to it as just music photography in general um while i quote specialize in tour photography so music photography covers like a lot of different products and services um tour photography is what i enjoy the most and it's probably because that was my point of entry into the larger scale of music photography um and it's certainly a a totally different skill set like somebody that does um press photos, um, or more commercial shoots for like an album cover is, has a very different experience from somebody who is going on tour and doing the tour photography
0: and, totally and literally living with style. the band too.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But totally different dynamic. Okay. That makes sense. So then we talked about wedding photography and tour photography and kind of the intimacy, innate intimacy to those genres of photography mm-hmm. what is what does that look like for you can you can you describe one or two scenarios that have been particularly impactful for you
1: yeah um so one that comes to mind recently on the wedding side is i got to help organize a surprise proposal here in LA um somebody from out of state contacted me wanting photos of like the actual proposal event and it kind of turned into like me helping them fully plan the entire thing, which was really fun for me to kind of scheme and, um, help them help them figure that out. And then just getting to be there to document and witness that moment is always really, really cool and really special. especially if you've been part of like planning that moment and you actually pull it off successfully and no, the surprise isn't ruined. It's just, it's very rewarding and everyone's very excited. Um, so getting to be a part of those moments is cool. And, um, I've shot a lot of, weddings for just my actual personal friends, whether it be like back in Oklahoma or some of the bands that I work with. And um, I know a lot of people are concerned about like having their friends shoot the wedding and that they're not like there as a guest and getting to enjoy it. But I love being involved on like that higher level and just kind of the back end of things and getting to work with them on their wedding. Um, And then on, on the music photography side um, there's so many just like intimate moments and just like a roller coaster of emotions in that scenario, in that setting. Um, So it's really all extremely touching and rewarding. Um, One of the things that comes to mind most often is um, usually right after the band comes off the stage or even as they're walking off the stage, um, that's that's an emotion that's really hard to convey unless you're experiencing it or you're witnessing it firsthand like I am. It's just so, so many feels, you know, <laughs> um, just like the the show that they performed and like whether it was whether they felt that it was successful or whether they felt that they had issues. Um, I've seen lots of tears, um, very sweaty people, you know, just like all, just the extreme End of that emotional scale is experienced in that moment.
0: And I can imagine too that there—I think I've heard it described before—is—is a really, I guess, a high that that probably can't be duplicated. Too, when Mm -hmm. when you've just come off a really good show and you've got thousands and thousands of people screaming for you, and Mm -hmm. not only that—I mean, there's there's just kind of an innate ego boost to that. But then, but then the fact that Mm -hmm. you're getting to share your craft. And what you're passionate about, your music with somebody else in that really high intensity, very emotional scenario. I mean, I I can't imagine replicating that type of a of a high coming off the stage, assuming again that it's a it's been a a really great show. And I bet you've seen some of that too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that you totally you totally get it. And I it's important for people to understand that I was a music fan first, before I was a music photographer. Okay. Um, so that's why I'm so extremely passionate about this career and the the areas that I specialize in, because it's really meaningful to me just as a music fan. Um, so getting this, I feel lucky to get this intimate look into how how the musicians and how their team feels because. As somebody that has attended concerts for a long time, you understand that side of it, and the crowd feels awesome, and they're excited to be there. But for all the reasons that you mentioned, it's that much more meaningful to the people that are performing.
0: Well, I bet that your fascination with just the music industry as a whole in music encourages a certain level of... Passion on your part, or I hate to use the word passion all the time; it's such a cliché term. I know, me
1: too. (laughs) And
0: and, an intensity on your part, a focus on your part that you bring to that game, just because you're interested in it. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. I can imagine again. I I wish I could convey the excitement that my my son expressed yesterday when he started. When I started showing him the bands that you've that you've toured with or photographed. Uh, But that kind of, I can imagine him being a photographer, photographing one of his favorite bands. He would just innately be that much more focused and probably bring a a bit of a unique perspective too because he's in tune with this element of the band or this particular the the random facts and and he knows the personality Mm -hmm. of this person and that person um i bet that makes a big difference in the imagery that you're able to create for them so that's that's really really interesting that's that's the exciting part what's what's the like the flip side of that what's like the most difficult thing about being a tour photographer
1: um, yeah, so uh, I would say the most difficult thing right off the top of my head is because being a like having a touring career, um, you, it's a totally different lifestyle, um, essentially, because you are always gone. It's a different lifestyle for a lot of reasons, but that's kind of the most um, perceivable reason. And there's a huge disconnect for me like relatively compared to other people's experiences with different types of jobs there's a huge disconnect from friends and family and just whatever is going on at home yeah. um just from the sheer volume of time that i spend away and um
0: And what is that spending, volume like how how long how many days of the year are you on the road
1: Yeah that's a it's a good question i it, it increases every year i would i still i still feel like i'm in the early stages of this, even though I'm about four years in, just because it's always a hustle to gain traction in this industry. And, um, I would say this year I'll end up being away for, um, maybe five months out of the 12, um, which is honestly on the low end. Um, For as a touring crew member, yes, because um, other positions where, so I would consider the tour photographer to be. have to tread carefully here. Uh, It's a non-essential position, (laughs) meaning meaning that the show can go on without somebody taking photos of it. Um, But the essential personnel like um, the audio engineer and the tour manager and the various techs that are needed to make the show happen, they're gone for upwards of 10 or 11 months out of the year. Um, And that certainly can be the case with tour photographers as well. And it's somewhere that I think that I could end up if I – continue to pursue it with that end goal in mind. Um, but yeah, just to give you an idea of like where I fall on the spectrum, five months is certainly a lot, but, um, I'm in a, I'm in a good kind of middle area where I still get to see my friends and family more than, more than some. Um, but yeah, it's just the idea of like, you know, everybody else's life continues on, even if you're not there. So you, you just miss a lot and you can't, You can't leave the tour and come home for every milestone and every event and graduation and wedding and birthday and things like that. So you, you know, you, you have to make that extra effort to stay, um, involved.
0: That totally makes sense. And, and I mean, thank goodness for technology and what that does enable these days. Um, but I also see that side where nothing's going to replace actually being at a wedding or nothing's Mm -hmm. actually going to replace getting to sit down with, your parents or grandparents Mm -hmm. or siblings or whatever the case may be and, and getting to have those face-to-face conversations or attending a birthday party. So that, that totally makes sense. I know that a lot of my closer connections, um, in the industry in particular, and that's where a lot of my friends are, are nationwide. And I'm, a lot of the time I'm spending Mm -hmm. working from my, my apartment. And so in that sense, it's kind of a lonely existence. And I get that, that how difficult it could be not getting to connect with those people that you're closest to friends or family, because they're, they're somewhere else. So I, I can totally empathize with that. What are some of the, the most common misconceptions though, about being a tour photographer? Because it does seem, I mean, there's, again, looking at your, and I actually have your Instagram feed pulled up right now. I'm just going to, if I scroll through, I mean, just the, the, the glam and the excitement and, and the energy that you're seeing through all this stuff is, is really, uh-huh. really exciting. Um, but what is, I guess, what is the the most common misconception outside of, uh, well, everything looks like those
1: pictures? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it just, this applies to all types of photography and I guess all types of social media, but people only know what you show them. Um, And it's, yeah, it's not always glamorous. Um, I've, I've never had moments that were so difficult that I've wanted to stop doing this. Um, but there's certainly, there certainly are difficulties. Um, a la what we just mentioned in the previous question about being disconnected from people. Um, the trade off there though, I think is that, um, you're the time that you're away from people at home is time that you're investing in your tour family. Right. And that's why I refer to it as a family because you're with them. You know, if you spend five months with someone 24 you you're very, very close with each other. Um, but to and probably go back in here, some
0: ways that, that are even different than, than the, the intimacy that you experience in, in relationships with family or other types of friends too, huh? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's, um, I would say that's part of the disconnect and, um, let's see, how do I art- articulate this? Uh, It's harder for you to relate to people who um, have a different type of career. So if you have friends and family at home that may have like a corporate job or um, something that has a lot of routine, um, there's so many parts of your life that they're not going to understand or be able to relate to. And so you tend to gravitate towards your other touring friends that can relate to what you're doing because it's there's a lot of emotions involved that they can understand and a lot of roller coaster that they can understand so true um, but to go back to your question about misconceptions i mean i would sum it up in that it's it's not always glamorous but the it pays off in in ways that you can really only grasp like once you've experienced it like i thought that it was something that I was interested in doing. And and then once I did it for the first time, I understood those things on a whole another level. Um, another interesting misconception, um, that, uh, that I get is people ask like what it's like to be on tour with a bunch of guys, um, which is (laughs) funny to me because it's, it's not always just a bunch of guys. Um, and, Yeah. It's just a funny, like common misconception. Um, I, I would say that the males are in the majority in a lot of these scenarios. Um, but they're all, there are always like other girls around and the band that I've spent the most time with this year actually has a female lead singer. So there's always lots of, lots of girls that we're interacting with, um, on that tour. Um, and then I would say the third biggest misconception is that, um, is that there's like a formula for getting into this industry. <laughs> and I know that that's probably something we'll like unpack a little bit yeah, more yeah. in a minute, but uh, it's, um, there's no secret sauce for it.
0: <laughs> you know, um, and it's such a good reminder. And, and I've had um, similar conversations um, in recent podcast interviews, but it, it's it's a good reminder for me um, and certainly for our listeners as well, that it it's just, you know, as much as I am, for example, a, a minimalist, and I like to try to find kind of get rid of the unnecessary 80% and focus on the 20% that that generates mm-hmm. the most results. At the end of the day, sometimes you just have to do a bit of busy work and, yeah. and, and hard work for, um, at, at that and, and be okay with that. And mm-hmm. uh, as much of my life has been centered around finding the shortcuts and, and maximizing efficiency and so forth. Uh, it's good to be reminded by talented people such as yourself that, yeah, at the end of the day, there's not necessarily, you know, three steps to it is, there, there aren't shortcuts, you just got to put in the work and the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you won't necessarily see that payoff immediately. So that, that's a right. really, really great reminder. Now, on, on the technical side of things, if I'm, I'm scrolling through here again, and looking at your Instagram feed, and I'm, I'm seeing a, a variety of particularly with the tour photography, a variety of lighting scenarios. Um, and so I'm curious, what, like, what does that look like for you? I mean, are you, are you generally photographing with what photographers like to call natural light now, or are you using some type of off camera lighting at times? How do you handle lighting on tour?
1: Sure. Um, so this may also fall into the misconception category. So a lot of people refer to concert photography as low light photography, which is, and isn't true depending on the concert. Um, so the reason I say that is because, um, especially if you're starting out and you're shooting small shows in um, in small venues that don't have like a lighting package, um, it certainly is low light photography. Sure. But on larger scale shows, there's actually a lot of light. You just have to get it when it happens. <laughs> um, so it's it's a lot of um, trial and error. It's a lot of um, throwing out the photos that didn't work out when you took them. Um, So on tour, since I'm with the band through every time of day and every scenario, we encounter pretty much every lighting scenario that exists. So um, during the show, you're working with the lighting package, which um, unless you're at like an outdoor festival is always going to be artificial light. So um, yeah that's just something that you kind of just train yourself how to anticipate that as best as you can that's really the name of the game is like anticipating what lighting is about to happen and what the band members are doing and how, how where is the nexus of how to make them look good plus like lighting them well and it's it honestly just comes down to like shooting the volume so that like a couple of those photos <laughs> turn out for lack of a more glamorous explanation. Um, but when you're, uh, anything other than the show itself, um, When, when you're on tour, like the show is a small percentage of your day. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes and backstage photography. And if you're traveling, sometimes you have the opportunity to just like stop in whatever exotic location you're passing through at the moment and get a few like portraits of everyone. Um, so kind of your
0: stereotypical band band picture in the alley kind of thing or or (laughs) well
1: I I, yeah I try to avoid that (laughs) as much as possible but um you know if you're if you're traveling the country you pass through a lot of places that you wouldn't you know that otherwise you would have to really go out of your way to get to and um so that's where a lot of my um band like portraits come from a lot of them happen during tour because you have the luxury of Instead of having to set up a, a destination and like a time and schedule everything out, you have the luxury of just like the moment just being right and being like, hey, let's take this picture here, like this.
0: Let's pull the bus over, night. right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's easier if you're in a van. It happens okay. less in a bus.
0: Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and a bus fair enough.
1: Actually tra- traveling overnight. But, um, yeah uh does that answer your question <laughs> i think i kind of derailed us there
0: no not at all no it, and, and i'm actually i have this picture pulled up of uh it looks like will from mr wives that mr <laughs> wives band that that you photographed or that you posted on instagram not too long ago it's got this incredible yeah. b- blue light with his multicolored hair and yeah uh, it's a I know be-
1: exactly what you're talking about yeah
0: beautiful example of using kind of capitalizing on that artificial light do you ever set up mm-hmm. off-camera lights in in a concert scenario like that or is it always just using, um, the light that you've got from the artificial lights there?
1: Well, um, I don't set up my own lights. I think that's something that I tried once with a, a smaller show in a venue that virtually had no type of lighting design. Um, so, and that had, that had an interesting effect, but generally on, um, on tour where the, the lighting package is pre designed and there is a lighting, a director who's actually operating it during the show, like you, you, you just use what you have in that situation. And I mean, the lighting package is designed to make it look good. Right. A um, right. you know, best case scenario. Um, so you don't want to uh, add your own elements to somebody else's art. <laughs> totally uh, makes I would sense. say, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just once you get used to, it, it just takes a lot of practice shooting, shooting shows over and over again and getting used to when these specific photogenic moments occur. And the benefit of being on tour with a certain band is you see the same show night after night and right. you know when, like when this flash of light is going to happen or when it's going to be this color. Um, so those are things that you can learn to anticipate this particular photo that you're referring to, um, I think I mentioned in the caption how it was kind of a happy accident, which is what 50% of concert photography is, is happy accidents. Because yeah, yeah. Um, I remember this being like a series of several photos that I took. And then this is the one that um, had that cool effect of just lining, lining up perfectly. Oh,
0: it's amazing. The, the color in it is just stunning. So if you guys um, didn't catch us at the beginning, make sure you go to Anna's Instagram account. It's Anna Lee Media. That's A-N-N-A-L-E-E. M-E-D-I-A, Annalie Mm -hmm. Media, and um, you can see this image that we're talking about. Uh, You can't miss it. It's it's absolutely amazing. Now, (laughs) I'd I'd like to kind of move on to, you you mentioned um, earlier the fact that there is no simple path to to becoming a tour photographer or band photographer Mm -hmm. like you are. And so I'd like to, if you don't mind, just kind of delve into this a little bit deeper and Mm just discuss what that actually looks like. Um, If there's no one simple path, what are some of the, maybe some of the ideas, principles that photographers need to keep in mind if they are interested in getting into that genre?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I would say the the barrier to entry, well, there's two of them. Um, One is connections, uh, just knowing the people that can get you the work. And then two which is something not a lot of people think about right off the bat is availability. Um, like the actual, your availability to take a month out of your life and go do this. Um, so like time availability and fiscal availability are big, big hurdles there. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of tell you how it happened for me and then I'll explain kind of like some general, concepts people can keep in mind if it's something they're wanting Absolutely. to tackle themselves. So um, as I mentioned, I got my degree in graphic design and worked in that for a couple of years uh, full time. I had just had a full time graphic design desk job. And um, then I eventually once I decided I wanted to do wedding freelance photography full time, I found a, a work from home graphic design job that allowed me a little bit more flexibility to um, build that up. Because until that point, I felt like I was working two full-time jobs, which I know a lot of freelance photographers can relate to. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so um, once I was able to let go of that work-from-home job and was doing wedding photography full-time, then my schedule became my own. And it certainly took several years to get to a place where I was comfortable letting go of um, uh, job security Um and doing those freelance projects full-time. So if you are already doing full-time freelance photography, you're in a good place to, um, to just kind of like up and go because with weddings specifically, as long as you are physically present for the wedding day, you know, in theory, everything else can be done remotely, um, which is how I handle everything now. Um, so I was in Oklahoma, as I as I mentioned, and so the way that I got started was, I was already just going to a lot of shows because, like I said, I'm a music fan first, so I was already like in this in this environment, yep, yep. and I would just always shoot local shows as they would come through, um, and you know a lot of smaller venues don't really have uh, photography rules, so you can kind of just go in and cut your teeth on those small small shows and get used to working in those challenging lighting situations and also just taking time to like chat with the musicians if they make themselves available and, um, just kind of building a network on, on a small scale that way. And my first tour ever was, um, I had just uh, made friends with the band that came through our city regularly and, um, it, at one point came up that I was interested in doing tour photography so they're just like well why don't you come with us on our next tour so i was like "Wow, uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> um so my first tour ever was to australia which is no way. Cer- certainly an anomaly um it's n- I, I wouldn't say that that's a usual occurrence, but it just happened to be where they were going next. Um, so I went and did warp tour in Australia with this band. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so that's kinda of, that was my first um, very surreal experience. And, oh, and it just kinda of fell
0: into your lap almost. That's that's that really is quite surreal. What did yeah. they were you uh, offering just to go along and do it pro bono for them? Did they cover your costs and traveling with them? Or how does that actually work, especially the first yeah, time?
1: You, yeah, you totally read my mind. So um, I would say it's as being a first time or even second or third time tour photographer, you can expect to kind of be making that investment yourself. Okay. So in this particular situation, I paid for all of the travel myself because I was like, well, I might as well do this because I've never been to Australia and it's, you know, I, it's a vacation I want to take anyway. And I can also take advantage of this opportunity. Perfect. So that's what I did. So at, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't making money, I was spending money. Um, but I was gaining very invaluable resume points, you know, and, um, and connections with other, um, other people in the industry. So, um, from there, I just kind of built my network from people that I would meet with each individual job that I would do. And, it's, uh, you know, there's no shortage of examples where it's all who you know is very true. <laughs> um, so just working off of those connections, you I became known as someone who does tour photography. And they're just able to refer me to, to jobs as they come up.
0: Well, and I'm sure you're in a position to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but where you're, you may be following a particular band, but then they're playing in a concert and opening for somebody or playing with somebody, touring with somebody else at a different band. And so you, they have the opportunity to say, oh, what this is, this is Anna. She's our photographer. Um, they, there's some awareness there about what, you, what services you have to offer, and then maybe they hire you as well, or does it work that way?
1: Yeah, it, it totally can. And that happened to be part of my path was um, the band that I toured with after the Australia tour was an opening band. And so I just took it upon myself to shoot the other bands in the tour package and pass those photos on to them. Smart. Which direct, directly led to me working with them subsequently Um and it you definitely have to, there's still a hustle, certainly, and these bands at first were not seeking me out or asking me to do this. It took me approaching them, um, and up until somewhat recently, you know, after, after a point and once you get known for doing this service in the market, people will start to find you, but what I always tell other photographers is like, don't be afraid to ask for what you want. People, Mm. if people don't know that you want it, they're not going to offer it to you. Um, It's a simple concept that it's hard to wrap your head around at first. So I was like, well, I I don't know how you get to be the person that people come to for this. So I'm just going to go to them and just ask them, Hey, can I come on tour with you and do this? And I, you know, if I have shot them before, I will show them examples of what that would look like. And, Sometimes it works out.
0: Well, it, it's a, it's a good reminder again for me and those listening in that sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta put it out there and ask, mm-hmm. like you said. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then too the focus on connections, as you mentioned earlier, taking advantage of opportunity to, um, to have conversation with people. You know, this is, this is true for wedding photographers, portrait photographers, certainly. Um, and even in this case in music and more specifically tour photography, uh, capitalizing in those opportunities to develop relationships because it, it really is pretty fascinating how the stories that you hear over and over again, and certainly uh, we all have our own experiences, uh, where a relationship, or at least the beginning of a relationship that you wouldn't have assumed uh, would have generated an opportunity, business or otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, comes back around and and you get an opportunity that was unexpected just because you made the effort to, to be nice, have a conversation. And like you said just now, to kind of put yourself out there. So I think that's really, really great um, reminder. And, it, and it's funny, regardless of technology, how this principle of uh, it's all who you know, how that is, seems to just kind of stand the test of time. Uh, and yet again, it's a good reminder for me, too. I, I need to work even harder developing relationships, both in my business and in the personal world. And it's a good reminder for uh, our listeners as well. So would you say those? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the, the, the barriers being connections. Um, And really, we can flip that around and say it's one of the most important elements of of getting into the music photography or tour photography world. Availability, this is really important. It actually takes some some planning, uh, both on the time side as well as the fiscal or financial side as well, because you have to have the resources to invest to get get you started. And then the flexibility in your schedule to be available to even tour, as you were talking about. Um so th- that's that's really interesting kind of points of, of perspective but are there other elements to that that you suggest that photographers keep in mind as, as they explore this this genre?
1: Um yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with what all you just said and you're probably better at articulating it than I was just now and um I'll see other other things for people to keep in mind. Um for tour photography specifically, um I guess aside from just getting your foot in the door in the first place, um, cause a lot of, a lot of young photographers may make it onto a tour and may have opportunities to grow that. But, um, I guess it like a, an industry term for lack of a better word is, um, can you hang? And because you're living with these people 24 seven, um, you just have to have like a really even keeled personality and have to be someone that can get along with everyone and someone that can make people feel comfortable. Um, so, and that's a really like intangible quality that's hard to explain or hard to teach. It's just a lot of being self-aware and being someone that, the bands can trust with a lot of confidential information, a, a lot of confidential images, um, or a lot of sensitive images, I suppose. And, um, just, just knowing the fact that like at the end of the work day, you're not going home by yourself to your bed and your Netflix, you're getting on a bus that you share with 11 other people. And, you, you know, you get to go to sleep when they go to sleep and you have to wake up when it's time to start the next day of work. So everyone, everyone getting along and everyone being able to hang is, is a big part of that.
0: Oh, and I think yeah. you summed it up beautifully. And it's yet again, a good <laughs> reminder too, for, for wedding photographers, one of the things, and this has come up in discussion in, in recent podcast episodes as well, but one of the things that's, I, I think is unfortunate that we see online a good bit these days is, this kind of um, uh, almost demanding approach to working with wedding clients, uh, wedding scenarios mm-hmm. where there's an ex- a certain level of expectation that photographers have as the so-called artist types going into a scenario um, like the day almost revolves around them. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the mentality that they take to, to that event. And sadly, I, that likely transfers or translates to the way that they're engaging with these clients um, mm-hmm. where it's about them versus being about the client. so I think it's a it's a great reminder that we need to set ego aside focus on the job at hand um, the importance of being even keeled I mean I, I can speak personally I'm a, a pretty emotional personality type I can be up and down <laughs> it's a good re- it's a good reminder to not take life so seriously to smile. Uh-huh. Um, be, be thankful for the opportunity that you have and just dig in and do the work. So these are really great pointers and reminders and ideas. And I will say, um, I will link, uh, we'll make sure to link in the show notes for this podcast, uh, episode, the, the page that you actually sent to me prior to our conversation, where you delve into some of the stuff in a little bit more detail. There's examples mm-hmm. of some of the imagery, um, that, that you post on there as well for, for, and I'm not going to give this away, but the project, which is hashtag, how do you actually say it? Am-
1: Um A L M fan cam. So A L M for Annalee Media.
0: Okay, all right. I didn't know if you like say it all at once or if it was it's a really (laughs) brilliant idea. And and I'm sure that photographers can kind of take this idea and apply it to the various genres that they're involved in. But it's a really, really cool idea. You guys go to check this out. So we'll make sure we link in the show notes to this kind of about page that describes a little in a little bit more detail what it's like to be a tour photographer, what goes into that. And um, I, I just really can't thank you enough for making time amidst your extremely busy schedule to, to share sure. with our listeners a little bit about the genre and a little bit about the experience that you have. I have to ask you, too, this is a question from my son. I, I mean, you've had the chance to tour with a, a variety of, of bands, Walk the Moon, Group Love, Mr. Wives, Ex-Ambassador, Small Pools. I mean, the kind of list continues on. But is there, is there a band that you're just like itching to photograph that you hope to photograph one day?
1: Um, let's see. Well, I mean, on a, on a large scale, it would be neat to do like a, like a arena level pop tour, like, I don't know, Taylor Swift or something. Um, So Tay, if you're listening, holla at you, girl. Um, (laughs) No, just kidding. Uh, I I mean, generally, I just really want to tour with bands that I actually like to listen to, because that's the only way to survive listening to them for 50 shows in a row. (laughs) I can only imagine. So far I've been really fortunate that, well, and it's, again, it's like you get what you ask for. And so I'm only pursuing the bands that I actually want to work with. And it generally falls under the genre of like indie pop and pop and alternative rock. Um, So anything on like the, Indie Top 100 Spotify playlist. I've probably worked with half of the, the bands on that list. Um, and I can see my son but, right
0: now actually creating that or going to that playlist and saving <laughs> it in his account so he can listen to them yes. all. Um, but I, no question that with, with the way that you've established yourself as a photographer and a brand, the way that you're approaching doing business, that you're going to continue to see really wonderful success. And uh, so I certainly wish you the best. Um, how can our find, our listeners find you online? I, I know we've mentioned Instagram and your website, but can you just kind of reiterate all of that for our listeners?
1: Yeah, so my socials um, are Annalie Media, so that's Instagram and Twitter. I'm actually a heavy Twitter user, and it might look like my account is run by a 14-year-old girl, but it's just me, <laughs> and I have the best dad jokes all day long <laughs> Perfect. Um, not to oversell it or anything um, so and then Facebook is Anna Lee photography I would say Instagram and Twitter are probably the best places to get the most up- Dated um postings um and then my website as well as media.com
0: yeah and you guys can see for those of you interested in, in anna's wedding work you can see that at annaleamedia.com as well as mm-hmm. uh, work from her touring and uh and we'll make sure to link to all of this information in the show notes but thank you again Anna, and, and and we're we're certainly wishing you the best of luck as you continue on tour this year
1: thank you so much
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.